Welcome to People More Interesting Than Me, the podcast, where I step back and let fascinating individuals take the spotlight. Join me as I sit down with incredible guests who captivate and inspire, showcasing their stories, experiences, and wisdom that make them truly extraordinary. Tune in for engaging conversations that'll leave you enlightened and entertained. I mean, at least I'm entertained. Today, we're diving into the fascinating life of Maxi, an art therapist and breathwork instructor based in Berlin, Germany. Maxi's journey is a canvas of resilience and self-discovery. Growing up with a heightened sensitivity to the world, she found solace in art, using it to ground herself. Despite facing skepticism, Maxi pursued her passion for art therapy, working with diverse groups from seniors to refugees. As life unfolded, Maxi embraced the challenges of motherhood while co-founding Samana, an organization that empowers people through art therapeutic tools and breathwork. Join us as we explore Maxi's inspiring story of balance, growth, and the transformative impact of pursuing one's true calling. Enjoy. Like five or 10 minutes of your day, if you can find that. And I think it's just, <laughs> and I think it's more common these days, a sporadic, and maybe it's just me, but I think a lot of other people have this uneasiness about not doing something. Like I feel useless if I'm not doing something to either be productive or trying to be good father or you know what I mean like it feels like I'm being pulled in like five different directions and and I and I'm I probably preach this more than I actually enact it but like you've got to take care of yourself before you take care of like your kids and other people because but maybe yeah I mean, I, I totally agree. I think like nowadays and like one of one of the biggest challenges like we all face is that we are like just a lot in our head. Like we think so much um, and we carry so much like weight in our head that we forget that we actually also have our body and that it's important to reconnect like with our body in order like to not get lost in our head and to not get like an overload burnout um, just by like being being in our head um, and I, I like like what you said like the struggle of like not doing anything but we in order like to reorganize ourselves like we need to stop doing things otherwise I mean you cannot always shake the bottle of water uh, like the water never becomes still the yeah. laundry needs to dry only like if you can if you hang the laundry it can dry you know like you're not by shaking it off uh you just leave it there and and i think it's in order like to recreate balance um can be very important to reintegrate stillness i completely agree i guess let's get down to the nitty-gritty or nitty-gritty do you know that term nitty-gritty perfect Mm -hmm. uh so i guess kind of tell me the steps what and can you tell the listeners, I guess, how you got to wanting to work with art therapy and what led you to pursue the career? Because I know your your dad is a therapist. Is your mom a therapist as well? She's a nurse. Okay. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, but, well, I'm not going to say she's specific to the body because she could be a uh, um in the mental health area, but your your dad does the mind and your mom does the the body. Is that kind of how it was when growing up? I I maybe wouldn't wouldn't call that. Like my mom stayed a lot at uh, like she was with us uh, for uh, for a long time um, before she started at work again. I have two siblings, so uh, my mom uh, spent. We had a classical um, role thing of my father uh, did the money, uh, and my mom stayed at home and took care of our uh, of us. Um, but I think like what really influenced me, like my dad was a psychiatrist. Um, so he was, uh, not into 
so much like only the physical um, health, but really into the mental health um, of people. Um, and I think that like, or I believe that really like influenced me a lot. I always, or relatively early started like the, to feel the urge or like also the, the need of like working with people in general, like being with people um, and understanding um, the way they they do things, the way they behave, the way they became, the way they are. Um, and how did I how did I come to art therapy? It was kind of like I already mentioned that is in our like first call, like um, drawing and painting for myself was like since since I am a child, like always a way um, to like really regulate myself. Um, I remember myself really being being very often like overloaded um from like environmental things like too much noise um too much like things going on around me too many emotions inside of me and i really couldn't deal with all of that um and i started to draw and to paint and nowadays uh, when as i know how to meditate i can really like connect strongly to that sense of I felt like in super meditative states when I was drawing. I could like really focus uh, on the thing on my on my painting, um, and everything around me was just kind of like not not important um, anymore. Um, and I calmed down like a lot. And it took part like in into really my especially my teenage um, years where I struggled a lot with like weird emotions. <laughs> like probably everyone of us. Um, and it helped me a lot like to really, to regulate myself. And then um, art therapy started kind of like to cross my ways. Um, I started to look for studies after school and I found art therapy. Um, and I remember back then, even if I still believe my dad had a big influence on that, he was the one who told me, don't study art therapy. You will not earn money with that and you will not find a job. Like just leave it. It's not gonna not gonna work out. Um, and then I started cultural education, which is um, you go more into like the teaching part and um, focused, but still on art um, back then. Um, and again, art therapy during the studies, um, we had like a seminar about art therapy. So it kind of like crossed my way again, knocked the door all the time. And I felt like, okay, this is something which is just not not going away anymore. Um, and what really like made me decide to study art therapy, even if my dad was still like not convinced um, about, about that branch, um, was my sister uh, got cancer. She got breast cancer and she had to do like the chemotherapy and all the stuff. Um, and she also went to rehab. Um, and in the rehabilitation part, um, she had art therapy. So she had other art therapy sessions back then. Um, and she talked about them quite like intensely, quite, um, yeah, like the effect, the calming and relaxing effect of the art therapy and the way like it allowed her like to deal with her disease, with her sickness, um, with her cancer, impressed me a lot that there is such a beautiful way to engage with such a horrible thing. And then I still had a lot of inner conflict about it. So I did social work first order to find find work and i started studying social work uh, and i was like this is not my thing i i need like this is really not gonna work for me and i quit my studies and applied for art therapy and then i studied it and since then yeah i i worked as an art therapist so usually when people come to you and this is kind of off of the idea of your father are th they're not coming directly to you right they probably come off like, and obviously this is a, a new day and age, like from your, your father's type of uh, psychiatry. People have tried normal therapy probably. And so art therapy is probably, um, is it usually like a second try mm -hmm. or something like that? Is that usually the type of person you get? It super, super depends. I mean, like um, I started working um, with uh, seniors, like in elderly um, homes. Um, this was really my the, the first paid job I did as an art therapist. And there, like people came either like voluntarily, like wanted to join uh, the art therapy group 
or they were brought by like staff members who thought like it could support them with their dementia. I worked a lot with people with dementia. So it, it really depends on which setting, in which setting you work in. When I worked like in a um, clinical setting um, with uh, people with addiction problems, it's part of their therapy process to have art therapy. So they do no like normal verbal psychotherapy, uh, like other uh, therapeutic processes. And art therapy is just one of them. And they have to join no matter like if they want to or not. But if they if they do the, the, the therapy, the whole process, then they have to join anyway. Um, so it's really... You cannot say there's like one line of people coming to art therapy. Um, it, it depends on um, in which setting you work. When I work with children in a psychiatry, then it was kind of like me together with the other psychologists decided for which child it maybe would make sense to do art therapy. And for other children, it maybe doesn't, doesn't work that good. And since around about like two, three years now, um, since I became a mother myself, I'm not working in any clinical setting anymore, so I stopped completely doing that. And I just like what I did in the last years was really focusing on either like group or individual settings, mostly online, but via like my and back then my brother's organization, um, we found it together. And this is completely like for people like who want to have a different approach. And there, like, you're right, a lot of people already tried something else and felt, um, and this is something I hear a lot about um, people who, who join, is I felt it was not enough to just talk. I felt like with talking, I'm a lot, like, in my head and I think a lot. Um, and I feel like I don't get to the points where I want to get to. And these people, they very often have tried already something else, yes. Do you feel like I took psychology 101 in like high school, not even college? And they say that cathartic stuff like, you know, like punching a teddy bear doesn't work. Would you say I'm not, I'm not saying the same thing in this fact, but it feels like this is cathartic in the fact that um, like in a good way, like not punching a pillow, but like kind of releasing your emotions and especially for, I mean, we all know those type of people who words is not their language, if that makes sense. Like they can't express their feelings. So like actions or even, do you kind of see that that's kind of like a way to slowly pull people out of their shells, especially if they're not talkers? But also for talkers, I think, and, and it brings us like back to what we, what, we, what we were talking about in the beginning. Talking is a way like we learn this is like this is a thing we learn um since like we are very little and it's very connected and one idea of like art therapy is that words are very connected to our the cognitive part of our brain like the rational part of us kind of um so the the moment we start talking we are our ratio becomes like a strong part of that and if we want to connect better to our emotions, then art as an expression can be the kind of easier access to do that. Because, and this is something like, and I don't need to explain you that, but like we are dreaming, like you start um, like feeling in pictures. When I talk, when I tell you about, think about a lemon, you maybe can start feeling like the sensation of a lemon inside of your mouth when you think of the picture of the lemon. So it's way more than just like the word lemon itself. And art therapy is just an incredible, like beautiful door opener to really let people express their inner world without or not with mainly words, with everything which is there. Um, and you just have tons of levels like when it comes to that like you have the material you have the colors there are like way more levels than just words and i'm not um, i'm not saying i think words are super important also for our therapeutic processes can you give me an instance i know you can't be specific obviously but one instance where kind of you had someone do a complete 180 you know like they came in and um you know they were completely skeptical you know, like three months, four months, they were like completely uh, 
not not just on the idea of art therapy, but also on a, an emotional level. Can you give me an instance of that? I mean, I have like a lot of a lot of cases where really like the first sessions are pretty tough or have been pretty tough. And I don't even believe it it was because they uh, the the people and I just like I remember like certain situations. A lot of like seniors like came into the work uh, work and it was not because they they were not curious about it, but just because they stopped believing in themselves that they actually could create something. And I think this is something like a lot of people bring with them um, in general that they they come into the setting and I remember like one 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 patient like saying, but like to draw, this is for children. Why should I do that? I, I, I still believe until today, or and this is my experience as well, it's not, not because they are against it, but because they have like a, a resistance um, towards like a form of expressions they are not used to. And mostly they are simply afraid of doing something which brings them out of their comfort zone. And doing art is for a lot of people like out of their comfort zone. And this makes it also so special because you really need to overstep your own boundaries. Like you, you need to get out of that in order like to, to be able to express. And sometimes it's, it's not easy, but usually like I never, never experienced a case where people didn't do anything. Like it always came to the point that people started, um, all of my clients like started to work, started to express and were super surprised of like what is happening on the paper or what is happening like in a, in a sculpture, like everyone. So yeah. it's sometimes hard in the beginning, but I get that. I, I'm, yeah. Yeah. I totally get that just because, uh, I'm, I'm a decent artist. But my wife is a perfectionist and she's not as good of an artist. So she's the type that will kind of like, what's the point if I'm not going to do it perfect? Like, I'm not going to draw something if, uh, you know, like, what what's the point of this? And I can see that with a lot of people. Like, I, I think we talked about this when uh, I think we were first talking about, like, for people who they see drawing more of as a competition to draw something amazing. Whereas, you know, some of the best painters, you look at their paintings and it's not about like, we went to the, the, the Van Gogh museum, in, like in uh, Amsterdam. Yeah. And it's just like, it's, it was very interesting to look at the paintings, but it was even better to hear about the stories of the painting and like why and where he was at, like when he was doing these paintings, just because, he was, you know, he, I think he had not a blindness, but he was like colorblind and like all this other stuff was going on in his life. And it's like, it's not that, that it makes the painting. It's just, it makes the painting more like deeper, like what he was going through and that he was using painting as an avenue because I, you probably know his story. He, he went through probably like 20 different jobs before he was a painter. I think he was like in his like, early thirties when he actually started painting. And by the time he started selling stuff, he was dead, uh, which is sad. What are, what are some of your techniques like for first timers? Like how do you kind of uh, break the ice? Thanks for the, for the question. I mean, usually like, and in, in, in maybe to, to talk on like the, the perfectionism thing, I think this is actually something like a lot of people have in like a lot of parts of their life like we we have this strong belief that like we need to do things perfect um and if we don't do them perfect uh then it's not worth it all to try and what i think what i really learned like especially in the last years just try give it a try do do you fail you fail all the time like we fall all the time we we can only learn if we fall um, we need to fail in order to learn and we never can be perfect. Um, so what I usually do um, in, in, in the first times is to first explain that art therapy is not about like technical perfection. I'm not an art teacher, so I will not teach 
you to, to, to draw properly, but I will support you in expressing yourself in a way. Um, and I will guide you through that. And this can be in whatever way you feel like you want to express yourself with the material which is there. And um, what can mostly like really help is first like expressing that it's not about um, it's not about a technique in art therapy, but it's about finding finding a form to express to to communicate whatever you want to communicate um, about yourself. And then uh, there are like there are different techniques um, you can you can become. I mean, this is the amazing part of like creation. You could, can become super creative with that. Um, so for some people, it can really help to just like try out different material in order to get like more comfortable with the material which is there, and then go more with the sensation of what feels good for you to use, not what you think you need to use in order to create the perfect drawing, but what. What sense is good in your hands? What kind of material feels good on the paper um, in order like to, to, to try out? And then trying out, like a lot like of the, the first sessions is become playful, like really start playing with the material you have and see what happens like if you, if you squiggle on the paper, um, see what happens if you use like a brush um, and you can let like the airs, the colors like flow on, on the paper. Um, so a lot of inviting, inviting adults to become children again. And I feel like the, the more I invite people that like, this is not about the end product. It's not about like we, we need to have a picture and in the end you get a note or a grade for it and we put it somewhere like so others can look at it. Um, the easier it is for people to just start letting go. Um, and this is an invitation and sometimes it needs longer and sometimes it's, it's getting, getting quick. Um, material usually helps. So how do I phrase this? Uh, like people who work with puppies, actually, they, they love the puppies. That's like, I feel like that's a fringe benefit of working with like dogs and like, you know, like breeders and stuff like that. And just you talking about like that, I'm thinking of something that like is a kind of totally opposite is like you have these elderly people. And I can just imagine like if you had you if you use this using crayons like that just feels so like puppy vibe to me like i've no, i don't think i've ever seen like an old person use a crayon it's just mm -hmm. such a like uh whimsical not whimsical but i don't know it it's just got like a freeing freeing vibe if that makes sense it's like i don't know it was just one of my thoughts when when you mentioned crayons and uh old people not yeah. old people that sounds bad elderly people elderly yeah but let, I mean, and and maybe maybe to add that, like because maybe it's 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 the combination, um, and and I think the combination is important because what I usually do is, um, what I what I said in the beginning, I invite people like to become children again, like to become playful, but at the same time make it something special, make it something like important. And something which like requires like respect, not only towards the material, but also towards the person who is doing that. And I feel like the moment you start like combining that, um, you can really like create a space where elderly and I have like these tons of pictures now in my mind, like of 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 like people, like really, really old people sitting there. And getting so focused like onto onto their artwork and creating like incredible, beautiful pictures they have never expected like themselves like to create them. And this is this is just wow. Like if you if you can like see and and I believe like every every person in the world like has this, like we all have that inside of us. Um and we learn like to. I don't know, put all these layers of being adult and um, being serious and whatever, like doing proper things, um, function, um, being efficient, however you, you now like want to call it, like 
on on ourself, whatever you call self right now, but um, but there is still like this this beauty inside of us, and not only like in 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 the expression of art. This is this is one 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 funnel or like one way to express. Um, other people find like other ways um, to 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 express themselves, but art is. Ah, I, I don't know. Like it's just it's just like this this one 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 beautiful world every one of us like carries carries inside. And the moment like you you allow like the window to open, um, it it, it becomes beautiful for everyone who, who who who's doing it. No, that's great, and I definitely see that too. Uh, speaking from a personal opinion, can you, I guess. Do you have any instances where art has helped you on a, a therapeutic level? Yeah, I mean, as I as I already mentioned, like really teenage years that I that I remember, like that art really helped me to regulate, like express my emotions, um, but really a lot like regulating myself, um, like really calming myself down when I was like highly agitated um, or something. Um, and then later, uh, and this was like mainly during my studies, we had a lot of like um, also ourselves like art therapeutic um, seminars where we worked, um, where we did art um, and we reflected about it. Um, and back then, like during my studies, doing this art process um, by myself was for me, like super important, first of all, like to learn that it's really not necessarily about the technique, that you can really use art differently as a form of like emotional expression. Um, and sometimes the pictures like look really shit. I mean, I have still pictures from myself from back then, which I love them because I know what, what is inside of them and what I what I brought like into that picture. But aesthetically, like from a from a point of um I would say okay you can never show that to anyone like just keep it <laughs> keep it in the file and then like, put it away and just open it if you want to smile about yourself um but used it back then and that was important part of my of my studies um as a like also therapeutic process for myself um to reflect certain behaviors of mine, um, inner conflicts, um, like which, which we all carry with us. If you manage like to, to recognize them, like on a, on a picture of yourself, it's for me and also like for, for everyone I know, like who experienced that a beautiful thing, um, to make it visible, to catch what is there, to understand yourself way better. Um, to understand like your certain decisions you make in your life and to then to be able also like to maybe navigate a little bit differently um, because you have it like very present um, on a picture. Yeah, no, that's good. Just because, I mean, it's, it's one thing talking to like doing it with clients and stuff like that, but also being self-reflective is probably the best, especially from perspective, just like we were talking about, like, it's easy to kind of pull it out of other people and kind of have them self-reflect. But if you don't, if you haven't done it yourself, like how can you tell? It's like it's like a boss saying something for their employees or something that you wouldn't do yourself. How can how can these people really uh, not just trust you or your professional opinion, but on a more emotional level, how can they trust you as a person or a therapist if you yourself are not practicing? But if you haven't experienced it yourself, I mean, and I think like one, one part is, um, I don't know a different word right now, but like you, you teach what you are, you can only give what you have. Yeah. And I believe that like, I cannot teach someone else or teach, I cannot support someone else like to, to learn to be present if I cannot experience myself to be present, if I'm all the way like in the clouds, um, how should I tell someone else like to stay grounded? It just, it doesn't work. And yeah. I, I agree the same with art therapy. It's, um, it it, it yeah. helps at least a lot to know that these kind of processes 
work and for, for myself it gives me like a lot of this um also confidence that like I know myself like how how it works because I experience it myself and this is something I can share I cannot convince you you have to make your own experience about that I know my own and this is something I can share with you and then you can see like what you what you can take for yourself out of that yeah and and just being I mean with like normal therapy it's 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 not it's just not like physical where you can tell where something is healed or better how do you just like normal therapists just like your your father maxi how do you compare like how do you know where a client is at like from day one to like day 30 like how do you you know taking a big step forward at least i mean usually like i don't have to tell them because usually like they feel it they experience it themselves, um, and this is this is what counts for me. Um, what I usually do is uh, like, I mean, part of doing art therapy, um, part of my work also in the last years is I I implement um, the, the the talking, the reflection um, into my work because I still believe from the process like it's all connected. So we cannot just work with the emotions. But if we want to process and integrate them, it's important to reflect them as well. So for that, like the word can be important and the reflection can be important about it. Um, so what I usually do, first of all, you, you see a difference, like you feel the difference. People feel the difference. Um, I do, and just depends now, like in the, in the past, um, when I worked like in settings in clinical settings, um, Usually you have other staff members, other psychologists, um, and you have like an, an exchange with them, uh, the co-communication with them um, to figure out like um, how, like how is the patient doing? Um, is, is there like anything getting better or not? So this can be part. Um, nowadays, uh, I use like a lot of, I don't know if you ever heard like of this, also scaling, scaling of stress um, levels, um, scaling of anxiety. Because it's it's a good visual tool like to support people in order like to understand at which point of the scale they are in terms of stress. And then you can also see like, is this getting better? Is this getting worse? Um, what do we maybe need um, uh, to to interfere or to intervene um, if if it's getting worse? Um, so using visible scaling tools, <laughs> I would I would call them um and talk i mean talking this is really like for me reflecting with people hey like how are you doing um how is it going and then from each session to each session you evaluating um what maybe needs to be done and which direction you can go so it's a very flexible individual process no that's great and just talking about your dad in the beginning and this is going to be one of the last two really good questions I have. Have you changed your dad's opinion? I know at the beginning, you said that your your dad's opinion, obviously, he was trying to push you away from the profession. Have you changed his opinion whatsoever? Yeah, definitely. That's <laughs> I awesome. Mean, I still I still think um, he, he's, he still knows and I mean, he experienced myself like I, I struggled a lot with uh, I still struggle with really earning money. Um, like uh, still uh, it's 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 not a well paid um, job, at least in Germany. Um, so. His. His doubts um, were quite like appropriate, I would say, like, um, so I, I understand where he comes from. Um, but what I already had, like amazing conversations with my dad, um, talking like about people um, with a psychosis, for example, like schizophrenia, um, and coming from my perspective of like expression in pictures and coming from his perspective of like knowing all like the biological stuff going on and uh, the genetic. And I, f I felt like very often, wow, this is amazingly clicking. Um, so you can just like bring like two different ways of like perception together and you make it way, way bigger. Um, the, the picture you create about, about a person. So, so yeah, 
That's awesome, though. That's awesome that he kind of uh, at least started your your way of thinking and kind of combined the two. Because I, I can imagine that you guys probably have dinners where you just talk and talk and talk and just and everybody else at the table is like, OK, we're eating dinner. We're eating dinner. <laughs> let them let them. Let yeah, them yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I lied. I have two more questions because I think one more sprang up. So obviously with um, psych normal psychiatry and even the medical field, you have a level of confidentiality. How do you do that with you guys are actually physically creating stuff? Do you have to think about that? Like when you're like you get to the end of a session and you have a, you know, uh, a sculpture, you have a painting. Like, do you have to. Like, do you have any this? This sounds boring, but do you have any protocols for that where like the person has to take it with them or. Yeah, it was actually like an important part of my studies um, to to like how to deal with the artwork um, of, of a client, of a patient. Um, and I'm I'm really grateful that this was an important part because until today, I feel, wow, this is so important for people. Um, expressing like, and, and especially this way of expressing where it's not about technical, like learning skills, but about just expressing yourself is a super intimidate like process, super private. Um, and, and this is something like my school, like the, the, the university I learned um, in Berlin um, with was um, that you treat the picture of a patient the same confidential as you treat the patient. So the, the, the things the patient shares with you um, and you find ways to um, to to keep the artwork safe as possible. So we had, and this is something I, I still do now when I work like individual with clients, I tell them like um, organize yourself a file so where you can just like really put um, your artwork and you can keep it safe and you decide to whom you want to open up um, and to whom not. Um, and when I work like in other settings, um, I always uh, looked for um, shelves I could close um, so that like you can really put the sculptures inside and you can close them and let people, let the clients decide to whom they want to open up and to whom not. Yeah, because so. I, I didn't even think about that before the interview, but not not just on uh, like a legal, legal, you know, like HIPAA, it, it just seems like that book uh, I read, a uh, picture of Dorian Gray, where the picture is good as long as nobody sees it. But I would imagine like some people obviously early in the process or even late in the process, if somebody saw a painting and criticized it, like what's this? And they didn't know that they were going to art therapy or they didn't, you know, get in their head that that could really set someone back. Like, even if they know this is just like, just like you say, they're not, they're not trying to make an art, like an artwork it's more like an expression and that could really i don't know i feel like damage someone if somebody's criticizing it the same as like a super um uh, I'm, i miss the miss the english word like when someone when someone tells you wow what a great picture um like um what, what i like what a wonderful picture how, how i don't know how this is this is called like admiration or um this, I mean, and, and this is maybe something that you can easily feel for yourself. Like imagine yourself, um, you started a drawing and you are quite okay with that, but you're still, it's not done yet. It's not finished. Um, you're still missing some parts. And then someone comes and tells you, what an amazing picture. Wow. I mean, what expectations this creates for yourself to continue with that. Because you need to keep that up, no? I mean, if you still want that the other person tells you the next, the second time, well, what amazing picture, um, you need to to have these expectations, you need to keep them. And this can create like a lot of pressure, like both both sides, no matter like this, well, what, what did you do, do over there? Or also sometimes it can already like being disturbing, um, and I recognize, I don't know if you, if you recognize yourself like with your children, um, when, and I try to avoid it because I learned to not do that. But um, if people come and I experience that now, like in the kindergarten and my daughter 
whatever, looks like a circle. Um, and someone comes and say, ah, oh, the sun, you did the sun. That's an interpretation. I have no idea if my daughter like is, maybe she's grabbing a hole, like, or you, you have no idea, but the, the moment like you start to, to judge, to categorize um, a picture, the moment like you will influence like the process. And for that, like it's, it's quite like important to just keep it as confidential as possible. Yeah, no, that it makes complete sense to me. And that was just something I was like, <laughs> like, how, do, how does that even go about? Uh, so one of the wrap up questions. So we talked about kind of burnout and, you know, like in this day and age, you know, with social media, I mean, just social media. I mean, that's a beast in itself and trying to be, you're comparing yourself to all these other people, especially friends to, you know, celebrities, which you shouldn't um, at all. Uh, how do you avoid, I guess, getting too much in your head and um, trying to avoid burnout? What is there anything that I guess people can do, obviously, like at home, any exercises that could help? Tons, tons of exercises. And I, I would say like the, 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 the best start and it brings us back like to the beginning is to constantly engage with yourself to become more present. Um, and this, you can use art for that. I mean, already like sitting five minutes, a beautiful thing is uh, to do like, a, it's called color diary. You take, take a, a, a piece of paper, um, some pencils, and you use like very instinctively, like for five minutes, the colors um, you grab um, for doing an abstract, should be abstract, like a drawing on a picture, and then put it aside again. Um, and what it is about is like, I feel we miss out being here so much. Like we are so much like in, okay, what, what is my next appointment? Like, what will I do? What, what are the things I have to do today? What are my deadlines? Um, and in the evening, like we lie in bed, uh, thinking about what we did wrong and what we missed out, what like what happened bad to us in the past. We stay like all the time, either like in the future or in the past, like worrying about the future, worrying about the past. We can, and I, I really strongly believe that the, the only thing we can practice um, is to become present again and to learn that right here, right now, it's all okay. Right here, right now, there's nothing to worry about. And the more like we practice it, this, and it requires practice, like everything um, in our life, life is about learning, life is about practicing, no? Um, the more we practice this, the more in peace and now like find find like what what fits for you connected we can we can feel um and we we sense that everything is anyway connected and we are in this we live like in this in this huge network of nothing or all and the more like you i feel like the more i practice to to be in the present moment the actually the more i go with the flow the more like things open up, uh, like without I even thinking about them, without I even deciding them. And it's really beautiful, like, because then life is happening. And I don't need to think about like what to do. It's, it's just anyway, it's happening. So it's, yeah, it's a good thing to yeah. That answers uh, your question. <laughs> I, I tried to do that, but then it's just like, how do you pull yourself out of it once you're in it? And it, and I agree, it's, it's like, it's not just practice, it's a constant. I guess struggle because you got all these, you know, exterior stuff poking you and yeah. Just add to that because I, I feel and I read like a beautiful book. Um it's like in German, I don't know like what, what would be the English title. Um, if there is war, we go to the desert, would be probably like the translation of the book. Um it's about like two two guys who went to Africa during the Second World War. Um, because they didn't want to be part of the war, so they escaped into the desert. Um, and they, like, in this book, they write a lot, and I feel like it's it's still fitting um, to nowadays, like, life 
is about the conflict. Human beings can only like develop, we can only grow if we experience like suffering and conflict. Because this is something which we can work with and we can create like measurements of like, okay, there's suffering, but there's also like happiness or non-suffering. Um, and to, to, to start like to also to embrace that conflict, you know, to not see it as, as something like negative, but to embrace it in sense of it, conflict helps me to grow. It helps me like to, to, to see in which direction I can go and always bring yourself like back and then to your breathing, always come back to your breath. It's an amazing thing to do. It's always down to a micro level. People can bring it up to like large scale stuff, but like explaining anything like nuclear physics, if you can't teach or bring it down to a level that you can explain nuclear physics to kind of like a five-year-old, you don't know it that well. That's what, that's what I've learned and, and which makes complete sense to me. So last question, what is something that your parents did that you'd like to pass on to your children? And what is something that you would do new or differently than they did? I remember you mentioned that and I skipped that aside to, to keep it, to think, to really feel and think about it like right now, right here. What I, what I would like, like what I, what I take and what I really would like to, to pass um, to my children, now to my daughter, uh, to, to my children is that my parents like generally like they really believed in me they believed in me and believed in that i'm gonna find my way not necessarily with always doing the right decisions but that's not not part of it but they they gave me like a huge trust in myself like in sense of i believe in you you're gonna you're gonna find your way you're gonna make it um and that does not necessarily be our way or has to be our way it has to be your way, but you're gonna make that. And this, this is something I really would like to pass um, pass on to my children. Um, and what not so much, but this is something like which I already feel I, I, I try to implement that anyway. Is um, spend like not spending that much time. Like my dad really worked like a lot. Is still working a lot. Um, and I remember like not having a lot of time with him um, really like when I was a child, he was practically like not there. Um, and I missed a lot, like I missed a lot my dad. Um, and this is not something like you can, you can bring back, you can somehow recreate that. Um, but the time you can, you cannot bring back the time. Um, you just have only this time and what I what I really want is I have children because I want to spend time. Like I have my daughter because I want to be with her. There's so much love like we can share, and I just want to want to enjoy that like the most of it. And this is uh, really like yeah, focusing more on time and love like together than uh, money and um, financial security. Yeah, I I I think. In this day and age, hopefully, I think a lot of people are trying to do that. And I think the issue is the struggle between, like, obviously, like 15, 20 years ago, it was more, you know, like career based. And the level of, like, I'm not saying the level of parenting is, I mean, I am saying the level of parenting has gone up. Like, if you probably looked at the studies on the hours of time, parents actually spend with their children compared to like 15 or 20 years ago, it's probably gone up a substantial amount. And I feel like that's a conflict with keeping the vibe of like having a strong career. And especially for women too. I mean, if you look at the percentage of women actually having strong careers um, and, and that's, that's the big issue too, is like, how do you still, how do you maintain all these strong hats of being a great mom, but also having your your own career too? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's a, a strong struggle, especially especially for women, just because I my wife my wife is an amazing mother. Like 
and I feel like the sous chef to her, like doing all this amazing stuff. And I'm just like, you know, like passing her like cut tomatoes and cut like onions. And she's just I'm obviously like the fun coordinator. And she's like the, you know, like the the person who's like, OK, we need to get to nap at at 2 a.m. Like and I'm like, OK, <laughs> you're the boss. Like, you, you know, the schedule better than I am. I'm just the person kind of or, organ making sure that the kids are having fun. But uh, thank you very much for doing this. It was probably one of the one of the best early interviews I've I've had. And I've had a lot of early interviews. So th this kept me awake, attentive. The breathing was a really good start to that. But it, it was great. Thank you very much for doing this. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks to you. It was it was beautiful. Like was a completely new thing for me doing. Um, it's, a, it's the first time that I talk so much about like, <laughs> myself, actually. Usually my part is different, um, but I really, really enjoy it. And thanks a lot for, um, yeah, also allowing like the atmosphere really like to, to become to become nice. Um, and I, I felt like very, it was a good flow. And I really enjoyed that. And amazing and, questions. And you're an expert on yourself. So that's, that's uh another good topic but uh is there anything if people want to find out a little bit more is there somewhere they could go right now like really right now right now it's really just my email address because i i, I don't have any other uh, channel i on eventbrite i sometimes like post um stuff um but also that like you can find um why i like my my name maxi um and my email address um connect with maxi um and I mean, like now, why are you? If uh, like if they contact you, so I'm I'm happy. Um, like if if anyone is interested, um, in just just connecting with me, um, that would be would be amazing. Yeah. I can put that with the episode, and if anybody wants to get in contact, I guess they can. They know how to get through me, so that's great. Yeah. Well, have have a good rest of your day then. Me too. Good good start or second start. <laughs> get continue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it was really a pleasure meeting you, Michael. You too, Maxie. If you like this week's episode of People More Interesting Than Me, please follow me on Apple Podcasts so you won't miss out on more episodes like these.